This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, you guys. Yet another episode of the Temple of Hoop. We are one week into the season. Uh, my host, Kings, what's going on with you, brother? Doing good, living good, man. Yeah, apologies for this week, y'all. I was uh, we one day late. I went to Arizona, drove to Arizona to see some family for the holidays, so we didn't have our normal Sunday night recording, Monday morning uh, release. But we were one day late, but we're on it. Um, that one day late uh, obviously gave us a chance to watch the Laker game tonight and talk about that. So mm-hmm. the Lakers, they lost a close one to the Blazers, uh, 115-107. Uh, Dame Lillard went crazy down the stretch. The Lakers mm-hmm. uh, were pretty much, uh, I'm not going to say disinterested, but just certain players didn't, <laughs> were not weren't up to yeah. par with yeah. the engaged into the game. Um, just – you know, this game in general we can talk about, but in general, just throughout the season, these first three games, what, what are you seeing from the four games? Uh, what are your initial impressions of the Lakers? Well, yeah, I mean, my initial impression is that, like, the depth is great. Um, they got a lot of offensive talent, so the low is not going to be on Brian. You score a lot. Um, I will say this, though, um, and this is something I've, I've caught in the first four games. The offensive talent is very high, but I think because they did sacrifice some of the uh, – defensive uh, uh, intensity in regards to Dwight. You know, he was fully committed to the defensive end. Or JaVale, same thing, even though JaVale wasn't the, you know, you know the most, the most the brightest player on the floor. But, he, I mean, he gave full effort on defense. Because they lost those type of players, I think a lot more comes down on AD and Braun to play well defensively. And for me, I don't really – see it as an excuse for them to not try defensively, seeing as how they don't have to actually score all the points this year. So for me, it's like they should be setting the tone more defensively, and they're just kind of, you know, going through the motions on defense, most specifically Anthony Davis. We think he's the best defensive player in the game. Uh, Everyone's picking to win defense player. I think somebody tweeted to me, in 100 minutes, he has zero blocks. That's I mean, crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, some. I think somebody just tweeted that to me. I'm like, I can, I couldn't believe, I can't, I couldn't believe it when I saw this. I'm like, please don't let this be true. But you know, I, I, I honestly can't believe it because every game I watch, I haven't seen him make a defensive impact really. You know, controlling the game. Yeah, I think what 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 I see from AD just um, his calf may be a little bit more injured than than he's letting on because I'm watching. He does it. He just doesn't. Right. He's not moving the same. So. I give it past there. And obviously, this is not an excuse. It's just the way it is. I understand how the NBA works. 
that's mm-hmm. seventy that seventy one day turnaround is no joke. Right. Bro. I don't think Cap yep. understand that yep. the Lakers and it wasn't just because the seventy one day turnaround. You gotta understand that whole four months off that in between starting the season up, you had to keep your body ready for game shape. So right. you didn't get the normal rest, what I'm saying. So that's it's not to give an excuse. I'm just giving proper just uh context of what of what they're going through. So I, I told myself I wasn't going to harp so much on the Lakers early on because mm-hmm. I know it's about they're, they're going to be a team that's going to maybe start a little slower. And for me, I was like, it's nights like this. They're going to lean on Dennis and Trez for energy. And tonight, right. was, tonight the Blazers game was tough because this is the the worst matchup kind of matchup for Trez. When you're not going to play AD at the five during right. the regular season. Canner is a load on the glass. Like it just he just was just Trez couldn't move him most of the game. I like just he had twelve and twelve and fourteen I think, and it was just mm-hmm. tough. And then they were asking Trez to just uh, in pick and roll in space with Dame and McCullum all day. It was just it was just it was just it was just, uh, it's a, it's, this is a rough match in particular for Trez. Like in a playoff series, I don't see how much he plays against Portland, but AD would be there to make you know at the five in a, in, a, in a money situation to make it you know easier for the Lakers. Just that, that's where I am with it. The, the, the slow start for me is basically quick turnaround. They're trying to, you right. know, put health before everything else. So I'm, I'm not panicking right now or not. But those are great points you made though, about what you see early on. Of course. I mean, I'm not panicking either. I mean, also because Vogel's experimenting. I mean, he played what, I think someone said he played Tres 17 straight minutes. I mean, Ooh. like, you know, that's not something, that's not something he's going to do at all in, in, in the playoff game. So I'm not, I mean, he, Vogel's clearly doing his, his experimentation. People who follow me on Twitter know how much I felt about that last year. So I'm not going to put myself through that again because I saw he had sense in the playoffs. So I'm not going to go ahead and right. complain about something that won't happen when it matters. So I'm just not going to complain about it. Like you said, 71-day offseason. I mean, like, at the end of the day, how much can you really complain? Like, you – they're not gonna like. They're not gonna try to hurt themselves. It's a bigger picture thing. Uh, this is how I felt when like LeBron, uh, you know, was in Cleveland, when you know, or like when he won that first chip. I was like, bro, I'm not even gonna think about Cavaliers in the regular season because they, they're gonna be games to get blown out by 30. I'm not gonna care because at the end of the day, I know what the bigger picture is for LeBron. He's gonna pace himself like he always does. Uh, but I guess AD has taken that same approach too. Um, I'm shocked because he's in his prime, but I mean, I get it. 71 days, like you know, he's he actually may be hurt. He did have a bad foot in the final, so it is yeah. what it is. And um, let them rest. But I will say one thing: I do want, and I'm seeing a lot of Laker fans uh, on the timeline starting to say, uh, get too ahead of themselves when they're saying, "Oh, uh, we need uh, to get rid of rest or cut rest minutes." I'm like, bro, West is defending his butt off every single right. time on the front. Like, look, I get he's not making his shots, but you saw. Like, I literally thought to myself in the fourth quarter, you need to get Trez out and put Wes in and close with Wes, KCP, Dennis, and, you know, Brown and AD. Obviously, AD didn't want to play a five, so that's why they didn't do it. But right. like, that was what I was thinking because, like, you need to defend. Like, you need to defend guards, man. Like, you have to defend. Like, defense is more valuable than shots because if you're open and you can make shots like Wes can, the you're going to make them eventually. Like, Wes yeah. will shoot himself into rhythm. Like, he's he's older. He's off a short rest, short off season because the Bucks did make the playoffs. So he's two's off a short off season, and you know he's had his list of injuries. Like you gotta let them play themselves into rhythm, man. Like people gotta be patient. It's a long season, man. So it's, it's a long season. Yeah, that's that's all I was. It was just interesting to see, you know, local takeover stuff, and like you just alluded to, uh, that coaching staff has earned the benefit of the doubt. After last season, they played the, they played the game a long way, experimenting, and it worked. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that, I'm not panicking too much. In addition, um, 
just speaking on the other guys, like I said, Dennis has been everything and more. I hope they're able to work out an extension. Um, yeah. What I read, he was wanting a little more than what they initially offered, which is fine by him. You know, maximize your worth. I don't blame him for that. Um, but I hope they find a way to extend him, man. He just he does take such a load off LeBron offensively. Like LeBron is able to rest within the game or offense sometimes because Dennis is able to initiate and get a good look for himself or somebody else. It's just it's it's fun to watch him play too, man. He's so fast. Like that that first step, just moves he's able to make uh, and finishing over over taller guys. I love watching him play. So I hope they're able to to, to reach an agreement. And when AD and when AD decides to wake up on defense, I mean, you'll see <laughs> like the one five pick and roll can easily be shut down with AD and, and Dennis and their versatility and their speed. So when AD decides to you know, you know, to wake up and, and play full defense and he's gotten enough rest, like they'll just be even better. So, but like I did, like he did, like Rod been saying and like about the big. I honestly, I knew that they were saving that spot for the big man. Like honestly, like I told people if if. If the PT was there from the jump, Deadman would already be on this roster, mm. in my opinion. But, you know, it's kind of hard to say that you see a, it's quality bigs on, on the market. You know, it's kind of hard to bring them in when you know they're not going to get that much PT right off the bat. Right, you know, so right, right. I think they're just going to keep saving it, wait for the bio market to develop and see what they got. And then they'll be like, you know what? Hey, we we're gonna get this big, and we're gonna work you in, like kind of how they did Marquise. You know, when they picked up Marquise, he, we were asking, "Is Marquise gonna play? You know, is he gonna get minutes? You know?" And all of a sudden, the playoffs, he's starting playoff games. So you know, what I mean, so it's like they're gonna do what they need to do when the bio market hits, and they're gonna get who they need to get. So, yeah, like I said, Palenka, Palenka yeah. will do work. Palenka will do work. Palenka will do work. Yeah, it's a marathon, man. So I, I, the thing is, I like what I see with the depth. The talent is there for sure. I'm just glad that every game that they've lost has been competitive and the, it's been competitive with their stars clearly not being locked in. That shows that the depth is, the depth is performing because, you know, if AD and Brown were playing how they played with last year's roster, those games would be blowouts. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they'll, they'll ramp it up, obviously, towards the playoffs. Come now, they'll be in tip-top shape when it's time to go. So right. that, that, that's the main thing. All right, moving on. We gotta talk about the Clippers, man. So the Clippers had been looking; they had been looking great. Uh, they beat the Lakers over the night, handled the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. They were rolling. You know, Kawhi takes that unfortunate elbow to uh, the jaw. Thank goodness it wasn't a broken jaw. I thought it was a broken jaw first. I was getting worried. Uh, yeah, just, that'd be that'd be bad. That'd be a bad for the situation. Yeah, just for required him. nine stitches, and just they just sat him out, kind of precautionary thing. But uh, they played the Mavericks on Sunday, early Sunday game in LA. And they were down 77, 27 at halftime. Ended up losing the game by 50 points, which was crazy. Um, what What are you taking away from the Clippers this first week overall? Just taking everything. And they did they beat the Lakers. You know, the question of the Lakers, how locked in they were, is a fair question. They did dominate the Nuggets, who uh, took them out of the playoffs. They followed up with this. Kawhi didn't play, but he's not – I don't think Kawhi's worth, you know, 50 points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what are your initial impressions of the um, – of the Clippers of the Clippers as far. Well, before the last game, you know, I thought, you know, that, you know, they had they were running proper offensive sets. Uh they had better ball movement. Um, you know, it was it was Serge was opening them up. Even though they you know they lacked the playmaking, Serge was uh was opening them up with his spacing and the offensive sets Lou were were running were looking good. Um this was prior to the Dallas game. Uh, you know, obviously Kennard has his issues defensively, but he has some size. So when they zone up or they run some type of scheme defensively, he has the size to at least be, you know, to at least not be completely 
a liability. I mean, he's still a liability, but he's not a complete liability like Lou is because Lou's just small. You know, he's just small. Right. The right. But, um, you know, the, then this Dallas game came, and I just saw him like, man, they still cannot match up with the Mavericks. Um, I'm of the belief that if Porzingis plays the whole series, they probably lose in the first round last last. Uh, yeah, I remember Playoff. you said that. I remember you said that. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, and and what I saw, I'm like, they just don't match up. I mean, yeah, you know, Kawhi wasn't there. And, yes, I know Kawhi is significantly much better than Porzingis. But, I mean, for Porzingis against the Clippers, he's a matchup nightmare for the Mavericks. So, them not having that and still winning by 50, even though the Clips not having Kawhi, it shows problems for the Clippers. Um, it shows a lot of big problems. Uh, you know, like, they don't have a guy – if Kawhi's not there, they don't have a guy who can really keep the offense going. Right. You know, they're, they're just not – they're not going to be able to have good offense and good offensive flow if Kawhi's not there. Like, that's just what it looked like to me. And their defensive intensity drops when Kawhi's not there. So, Kawhi's still – you know, he's lost a step defensively, but he's still a top-notch defender. So, yeah, he's just he's, he was all-time level at, at one point. Right. He's still at one point. Yeah. My, my thing with the Clippers is, you go back to the, the trend for me is, what I look at is different coaches, you know, slightly mm-hmm. different personnel. thing is without a point guard, you don't have a guy there to stop runs. Like when other team is going crazy and say, we need to get a good look or get this guy here or get him into the free throw line, that's what a good point guard does. Like to get the other team, okay, we need to shift momentum or stop what they're doing. And I think LeBron is probably the best ever at it. LeBron and Magic as far as controlling the game. But just they don't have a guy to do that on the, just on a minuscule level. Hey, they're on a run. Let's get this look here. Let's run this. I think they're missing that. And, you know, you're not going to get that. You know, PG's not super vocal. Kawhi's not, you know, super vocal. You know, he'll talk to guys. So he's not the super rah-rah guy. So I just think they need a, they need a point guard. Bad. Like, regardless, they, they're, they're going to have great offensive rating numbers. Like, I, I have no doubt they're going to have great rating numbers, great efficiency. It's just I'm talking about when the heat of the moment comes, and we need to get a look right now. They don't have that guy to get everybody organized. And I think that's the underlying issue, how they keep giving up these, you know, these big runs, big leads, falling down behind by so much. I think that's the underlying factor. Yeah, that's it's just it's only so much offense you can generate without somebody who actually knows how to run an offense and set up an offense. Right. Um, like even just get them like I keep saying, even them just getting a TJ McConnell type would just be beneficial for them. At least you know somebody who's gonna dribble up the ball and say, hey, no, we need to run this set, slow it down, dribble it back out, pass it to the first, initiate the action appropriately. You know what I'm saying? Just having that type of person to slow it down, who's gonna defend and will help you know look to facilitate first before anything else. That person's gonna elevate them uh, significantly because. They don't have that at all. So when the when they're out of the rhythm, they just it just it just keeps going. This is bad, right? I just wanted to touch on that. But Clipper, I still think they'll be the you know that fifty point mm-hmm. fifty point loss made me raise eyebrows. I still think they're the second best team in the West, just based on based on what I've seen early early returns so far. Moving on, King Kings found himself, y'all. If you hadn't noticed, mm-hmm. Kings found himself in a, in a, down the rabbit hole this past week. So obviously we know the Warriors have started out slow to say the least. Uh, they can't score. Steph is really struggling. They've been uh, they they did play two contenders out the gate. I'll say that they played the Brooklyn Nets. Then they played the Milwaukee Bucks. Absolutely non-competitive both games for the most part. Um, Steph did have a vintage night late 
coming yep. back 36 points <laughs> to uh, beat the Bulls, who are, you know, a, a bottom feeder. But before that game, <laughs> all right, so tell, what was the tweet that you put up that caused the, the, the storm? <laughs> the storm, well, <laughs> the initial tweet was the night before I was talking about Harden. And I saw Harden do what he did against the Blazers, which is, you know, for me, it's a guy who's been BS in all offseason, had COVID in the bubble. For somebody to come back and do what he did, man, that was impressive to me. I thought that was impressive. You know, I, I was watching the games like, man, Harden, you know, he's an annoying, he's a knucklehead, but I mean, he's 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 a skilled player. He's an elite offensive player. So I was like, man, you know, just you know, because I was entertained watching Harden hoop and and be compared. I was like, man, look, I get it. You know, I don't think Steph is washed at all, but I want to see him show us that he's not washed. You know what I mean? I know I'm tired of the, uh, you know, the uh, I'm just going to give up the ball. I'm going to screen this guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of that. I want to see the guy who, you know, 2016, 2017 was hunting for deep threes because, you know, he felt like he couldn't miss. You know what I'm saying? I want to see the guy who was breaking off everybody t- uh, doing high uh, high roll uh, lay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? I was just wanting to see that guy. You know what I mean? The guy who terrorized teams for like three, four years. That's why I, was, I just wanted to see it because, I just, because it's entertaining. I'm a hoop fan. You know, I want to see all-time great players be all-time great. And, uh, you know, he was BSing for the first two and a half quarter of the game. I was like, man, what the hell's wrong with this dude? This is the Bulls. And then he started playing what I like to call honest hoop, got aggressive, took it to the rim, you know, got contact, went to the free throw line, got himself going a little bit. And next thing you know, he felt a little rhythm. Then he started taking threes, started looking for deep threes. They were down in the fourth, and he, he was confident because he got his rhythm and he, he took the uh, big-time shots. He got him close in range, and then next thing you know, Damian Lee, uh, Lee hits the game winner. So, you know, I was like, you know, Steph Steph was good. And I said, and I tweeted too. I was like, you know, he's going to finish with 30. I think, like, he's going to finish with 30. And he's going to show him a little bit of himself. Um, but, uh, you know, I just – after the game, I had to troll again. I had to be like, you know what, look, 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 because – these same fans, these same people, when it was 2018, I heard it all. I, I saw Bron put up, like, historic performances in the regular season, in the playoffs, night in and night out almost. Yes, his defense wasn't that good because the Cavs, as an overall defense team, was terrible. But he made sure his team was trying was competing. He was trying to compete as much as he could night in, night out. And all I heard was, well, who cares if your team's not that good? Who cares if, if if you know the if the Warriors have all this time? Who cares? Who cares? We don't care. You know, it's like you compete, check ball, check ball, play. You know, Jordan wouldn't complain. All that, all that. Yeah, I heard all the nonsense for like the whole year. Now I come into 2020. I'm hearing well, Steph had 16. You know, Steph had Steph had 16 assists. That should have happened. And I'm like, bro, when when West when Westbrook fans said this, when LeBron fans said this, uh, you said that that doesn't matter. Oh well, all we heard was oh well, like shoot the ball yourself, don't make your own shots, don't pass it to them, don't pass it to them if, if they're not making their shots. That's that's isn't that what we heard? That's what. First of all, that that's what I said because I, I I saw that same stat. He, well, he had 17 potential assists and he only had six real assists. I was like, why is he passing so much then? He only need to be passing 17 times. If you – Kelly Oubre has not – it's unbelievable. I, never, I don't think this has ever happened in NBA history. Yeah, oh, man. Oubre has not made a shot that's not a dunk. 0 for 33 on everything 
He's made five out of six dunks, has missed every other shot he's taken. This is four, four, I, I've never seen that. This is crazy. Three games yet. This is crazy. Never all, all, all time, all time bad. And it's like people right now who people who taunted no help for like four, three, four years are now saying no help. I'm like, yeah, man. It, you know when when you're you know when your people you're playing with are not that good, you don't look that good, even though you should. And you know what I'm saying? Like when LeBron was playing with trash defenders, I was like, yeah, LeBron's defense is not gonna be good because his team defense is not gonna be good. Duh. Like so, so you know what I mean. So I was like, I was saying all these things. People didn't care for like three years. So now we fast forward. <laughs> Steph has a good game. He has a good game. He closes out. He gets him a big win. And I'm like, man, y'all doing a lot of talking because a lot of people were were, were like, oh yeah, he's not. You know, he's fine. He's fine. So I'm like, man, this is still the lottery team, Chicago Bulls, bro. Like, yeah. look, I'm, I'm gonna let them enjoy it. I'm not gonna, you know, what I mean, Steph did his thing, but like. Look, calm, 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 calm down, bro. Because that y'all was saying too much reckless stuff for years, just to be high, just to be pounding your chest over the lottery team, Chicago Bulls, bro. Right. Stop. And, and Stop. a lot of it just, just go, going back to the basketball part. Like I understand the narrative part. People, you know, people going people going to move goalposts for their favorite guys. Like we we see right. it all the time. The basketball part is to me who ducking a lot of smoke is Steve Kerr, man. Because <laughs> if you watch the system he plays. You can't play that same way. You have it's you've replaced Wiggins, you've replaced Draymond, Iggy, and Clay with Juan Toscano, Anderson, Andrew Wiggins, and Kelly Oubre, and you got a rookie center and Wiseman. You can't right. play you can't play a high IQ read and react system with those players and yeah. expect to have results. And then he on the radio today talking about, you know, I was thinking about it, and maybe I put too much on these guys playing, maybe too complicated. Maybe. Everybody's like, like you think you got yeah. a nice year old rookie. Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. Man. That you depends like you can't play that high level read and react. It doesn't work like that. And I was like, and somebody made a great point. They said most coaches have a system to maximize their best player. And then they said Kerr is using Curry to maximize the other guys. Yes. And that's, that's what he's doing. And that is the difference. And I was like, that is going to cost them a like they will get better at some point. If they play that long game, I think what he's doing to try to play will be better and more rounded as the season goes on. But it's going to cost them a lot of wins playing that way as those guys try to figure out how to play basketball. And I think, my thing is you got to find a balance, okay? Understand that, okay, we're not scoring now. Let me get some pick and roll because the Wiseman Curry pick and roll works. That works yeah, like a So I was like, okay, we're not, we're, not, we're not scoring with the system now. Let's – Let's run Curry and Wiseman for the next few minutes to get some good looks, and then we can go back to running the sets. Like it's just it's just too much all or nothing, and it's killing them at this point in the season. It's and and for me, it's, if you run those easy looks, those easy reads, it opens up you to like run your other stuff. Because now you know the defense is thinking about man, how are you going to stop Wiseman and Curry? They're not fully locked in to like you know reacting to your read and react offense because, like, they have to worry about, okay, well, if Steph gets the ball, am I in position to stop the Steph and Wiseman pick and roll and force, you know, a bad shot? So they're going to be thinking about that more, and it's going to help open up your other the other stuff you're running. So he's he's making it too predictable, and this is my knock. This has been my knock on Kurt, and this is why I called him over A. And people thought – people were like – people were tweeting me, like, two games. And I'm like, bro, I said this four years ago. Like after the 2016 16 finals, like I'm just I'm sorry you guys are just now catching on. I said this four years ago when I saw I said, bro, at some point 
you need to stop running this, you know, the strength and numbers stuff where you're playing Festus Azili in the fourth quarter of a game seven final, bro. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you, need to, you need to, at some point, you need to say, like Ty Lue said, we're going to take our best players and we're going to live and die with our best players and we're going to run the best looks for our best players. That's what you need to do as a coach. And you need to find offense that, that you know, that will uh, emphasize that and, and be able to call upon that in the clutch moments. He doesn't really have that. Like, he doesn't really have – uh, you know, a go-to um, philosophy in terms of like you know forgetting Steph, what Steph needs to to get when when the chips are down. He's just kind of like man, like you know, make something make something happen. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like just Steph, make something happen. Like we'll, we'll I'll run a pick and roll and just make something happen. Like he doesn't have a a, a way to get you know Steph going when when they need a go-to bucket. And it's like and he's and it's been this way for a minute now. And, and another thing that I've noticed is that which is really why I don't say he's an elite coach is that he doesn't adapt his system to the players he has. Exactly. That is, you know the, that, like, is that, that is the, that is the, that's the key factor problem. between good, between good and great, between good and great. That is how like, it is. Like, I don't even think, like, I don't think, I think Tyler was a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach, but because I think some of his base philosophy isn't good. But the one thing I do give credit to Tyler and why he's a good coach is that he's good at adapting to his players. Like, you need to adapt to your players. If you know you have players who are good slashers, good cutters, these are guys who, you know, can't really shoot the three, but they're, you know, they're streaky shooters in that, you know, if they get a couple good looks in the mid-range that go in and if they get some layups that go in that they'll feel confident enough to shoot an open three and make them, then you need to be running offense that's going to emphasize them slashing emphasize them, you know, getting looks in the mid-range area, over spacing the floor because your philosophy is that you want to space the floor to have a higher um, higher space for your read and react passes. You know what I mean? Like you, you need to change it up a little bit, have more cutting, have more, you know, uh, offense that starts in the low post, you know, that, that starts with low post actions as opposed to, you know, running, you know, five out or, you know, whatever and swinging the ball all in the, on the perimeter based trying to emphasize max spacing and max motion. Like, you got, you got to throw that out there when you have guys who are more comfortable inside and interior. Right. That's why, that's why I feel like, you know, I don't think Pop should do the GM thing. I think he's right. it's too emotional. But if you watch how he switched from when he had Bruce Bowen and Young Duncan and Robinson to that grit and grind half-court system to going to that flow system he had when he right. got older and he got in the offense with more Ginobili and Parker, like, Coaches who are able to adapt like that, I think those are the great ones. Like even like that's why Spo will always have a like Spo. You watch how he ran offense with LeBron in Miami. He's like, okay, we're gonna put LeBron at the four and keep the floor fair with the rest of the court. Now I don't have the biggest. The, uh, now he doesn't have the greatest shot creators, but they have a lot of. They create a lot of gravity with the shooters, like especially Robinson. They have a lot of action with putting Bam in the high post. That's what he's good at. Like his system is dictated to the pieces he has. And I think Look, that's like, what the that's what the, the difference is. The biggest thing with Spa, I mean, even before this finals, look what he did with Tyler Johnson, Deion Waiters, and Whiteside. They won like twenty. They got paid. They got they paid. <laughs> they all got contracts off Steve Spoke coaching. He made Waiters look like a really good two guard. After everyone thought he was washed and done, he made Waiters look like a really good two guard because that's a coach who understands he's going to coach to his players' strengths. Like, look, we don't. Like, look, I know I like to prefer to do this, but how can I make what I like to do work with what you can do as a player? 
that's how Coach Spo approaches things. And it's like, like you said, he went from LeBron, I have this all-world playmaker, so I'm going to use the four spaces around him to, uh, to, to generate, you know, space for him to work as well as to generate open looks when he, when he chooses to pass. Fast forward to here, or I don't have this all-world playmaker, but I have a bunch of different guys who are very active off ball. I have a center who can pass. Right. I have a, a wing, Jimmy Butler, who can pass. So I'm going to keep these shooters constantly in motion. I'm going to give different looks off the dribble handoff, off the pick, off the, you know, the pick and roll. Off, uh, in you know, in the half court with with Bam and Jimmy, because there's so much motion and so much space being generated by these shooters, I'm gonna give them a bunch of different reads off these these actions. You know, what I'm saying even though they're not all world playmakers for LeBron, since we have so much talent that can that that moves around, I can still generate similar quality looks just off the scheme. And that's how Coach Spo approaches it, understanding who he has on his team and how to maximize them, as opposed to saying it has to work my way. Like a, like he like curse that guy who has a vision of what he wants and he's gonna keep trying to get that that vision regardless of whether it's attainable or not. Right, balance, balance, balance. Moving on, last thing we're gonna talk about. We're one of the last things. So the Brooklyn Nets, mm. they come out, handle the Warriors, uh, pretty much handle the Celtics, and then they go against the Hornets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I remember you in your breakdown talking about how you would attack the Nets, which is basically slowing play, slowing the pace down, dumping inside, and that's honestly what the Hornets did. You know, PJ Washington, you know, he's not, you know, the, the greatest post player, but he ate. And um, like I said, Nets. Any anytime you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you're a threat, no matter who. I mean, you know, that's just giving the respect for what they can do offensively. But um. Just where are you with the Nets after this first week? After what? What are your initial impressions of the Brooklyn after the first week? Well, um, you know the offense was great. The offense was amazing. Um, Kyrie looks fantastic. Uh, Dude, he's shooting like he, his shooting splits are like sixty, fifty-five, <laughs> and ninety. It's like his, but, but you, crazy. you know the crazy thing is though, like like look the Blazers, like you know. Dame is a great Dame's going to hit big time shots. But the Blazers just find themselves throwing up a lot of BS shots. And it's like, this is why, you know, you start shooting terribly in the playoffs because these shots are not good shots. I'm sorry, they're not. A lot of these shots are not good. Right. Kyrie is taking great shots. Like, he is taking great shots. Like, he's finishing tough shots. But, like, if you look at the type of shots he's taking, they're really quality looks. I was talking about in the Hornets game, he's playing what I like to call, again, honest who went to the <laughs> post. When he was shooting in the post, he was doing the Tim Duncan bank shot. Like, he was purposely banking it off, going and, and it was high quality. He was going every time, getting his low post, do his little turnaround off the bank every time. He did that, like, four or five times, got a bucket every single time. And, you know, it gets him in the rhythm. Next thing you know, guys are fearing that, so they're kind of, you know, playing off him a little bit. Next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. Kyrie, step back, hit a jumper, easy money. Like, he's just, man, he's he's at he's at his peak right now. And he's just playing fantastic ball. I think KD looks like, you know, he looks great. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's shooting. He's shooting well. Uh, he's taking his vintage shots from the three, pulling up from distance on, on any and everybody. And uh, he's make he's making his shots. So, and then uh, Carice looked great. Uh, unfortunately, Spencer, he had his man, injury. Man. Because he was, he, he's a good facilitator. He was helping them get their offense, you know, into 
you know, get it, get it slow down to try and get a good look, make sure that they're not doing too much ISO. I think Spencer did a good job of making sure they're uh, moving the ball around. And unfortunately, he's out, so that's they're gonna have to try and make up for that type of. Yeah, how do you how do you how do you think they replace with Spencer? I mean, obviously, they'll use more Carice, more more Levert will be involved. But and I think you need to keep Levert as a six man, and I just think you need to bring. I think some people are talking about bringing a defender in, bring a defender in that's gonna take the pressure off, you know, Kyrie to defend, and then have Kyrie be more of a facilitator. TLC, yeah, TLC, like you no know, TLC, have have TLC come in. Who's going to space the floor, hit his shots, and he's going to defend so that Tyree can now focus his energy more so on playmaking as well as scoring. And he doesn't really have to focus too much on scoring because they're going to score anyway. But I think it's I think Kyrie now has to be more of a facilitator now that Spencer's out. He can't be headhunting for uh um no for scoring opportunities. So, but I think they'll be fine on the offensive end. I talk think about this, talk talk about this defense because that's, yeah, that's, where, that's where the, the question are. Yeah, I'll talk about the defense because. Um, Somebody just tweeted that they gave up 56 points in the paint to the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, he is. So, so, so they, and, you know, and John Moore, you know, John Morant um, injured himself very early. Thankfully, he's okay. He's not, it doesn't look like he's serious. But John Morant injured himself very early. So it's not like they had their best penetrate, you know, penetrator on the Grizzlies in the game. And yet they still found themselves with 56 points in the paint. The Hornets have put the film out. It's done. <laughs> the Grizzlies show that every single team will do the same thing now against the Nets. They will test the Nets' interior. They will test their rim protection. It will happen every single game if the team is capable. This is why I didn't like the Celtics as a matchup for them because, unfortunately, the Celtics fall in love with gem shots too much from Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, to Jason Tatum. They just fall in love with gem shots too much. I knew that's just a disastrous matchup. But any team with the discipline – slow it down and attack the interior every time is going to punish the Nets and is going to make the Nets get out of character on defense and they're just going to be able to, to keep up. Like a team that everybody says, how can you score with the Nets? Well, I'll tell you how you can score with the Nets. Just keep going inside and you'll and you'll score with them. That's what yeah, that was weird because I saw, I saw you, you, you like Milwaukee to get them. I, I, like, I like Philly to get them. Like you like, they, you like, they have nothing for Giannis for you. I feel like they have nothing for Embiid. You know, I, people like Allen and and and, and DeAndre. I, I think Embiid's on a whole other level. Like I think if, right. they, if Embiid stays healthy, people will see the gap between him and Joker is minuscule. If they if they actually see if, he, if he's healthy and locked in, like Joker's obviously a much better playmaker, but defensively and just being able to score inside, Embiid is a different beast. When, yeah, when he's locked in, so. Hopefully you understand that like that Raptors team, they won that series the eight minutes that Embiid didn't play a game because when he right. was on the court, they couldn't do nothing with him. So if Embiid is locked in, um, they, there's no answer for him really, you know, in, in basketball. So I, that's why I went. I, I lean Philly. You lean Milwaukee, but same thing. I slow the game down, attack him inside. Right. That, that's that's where we are with it. That, that's I mean that's what it is and like you have Philly but I have both I told people that those are two worst matchups for them like both of them are just terrible matchups I mean people keep talking about oh just build a wall on Giannis well who's building the wall on on Brooklyn like I I asked this question and most people refuse to answer and when they do answer they'll tell me well um, Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan well <laughs> Jeff DeAndre Jordan is not Kawhi Leonard Marcus Gasol. And Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan is not Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. I'm sorry, those are not the same type of quality players. Okay, like those, those the players who are stopping Giannis with the wall 
and even they had their work cut out with for them, were all world defenders. You don't have that. Right, right, right. No. So their wall is not going to be very successful on a consistent basis. So And, and then let's go to the Hornets game because I didn't watch the Grizzlies game, but people told me they were living in the pain. But let's go to the Hornets game. I did watch that game. I'm, when I tell you that Gordon Hayward was in the paint as often as he could, either to play make or to take a jumper or to finish, he was living in the paint. I mean, they made P.J. Washington, like I said, they made him seem like he was Elton Brandon down there. You know, he was <laughs> bullying everybody, getting offensive rebounds put back. Like, I turned the game on the second quarter. I was like, has P.J. Washington been doing this all game? And people were like, nah, nah, you know, Jared Allen was doing pretty solid. I'm like, well, it looks like they're getting bullied. I watched the whole game from the second quarter to the to the end of the game. I'm telling I tell you, P.J. Washington and Gordon Hayward killed these dudes on the interior. They had Bismarck Biombo catching balls in the circle. Like, he was catching the ball in the circle every time. Like, if Bismarck Biombo had any type of offensive touch, he would have had 20. Like, he would have had 20. He was catching the ball in the circle, like, damn near every time. If he had any type of footwork and touch, he would have scored 20 on those guys. Like it's, like, it's really that bad. Like, it's really that bad in the interior. And it's not because, you know, like, it's not because those guys are necessarily the worst, but they have, you know, they're – like, they just have a size disadvantage. Like, they can't push anybody off the block. Right. You know, right, Jared right. Is, is a good rim protector when he jumps, but he's also skinny, so he's going to let people get position. So if you can just finish over him, you're going to have position inside. DeAndre Jordan is washed. You know what I'm saying? He's not the same strength. He can't right, shake right, anybody. Right. And he face up big. So it's like they just have problems in the paint keeping people out of the paint, and they have problems of and keeping bigs off the blocks in the paint. So – Man, I look, they better, they better be able to score 120 every night, man. Like they, <laughs> they, have, they have to because you can get you you can get good looks. You don't have to you don't have to get into a jump shooting contest with the with the Nets. You don't. Yeah, you, you can don't, just yeah. get good looks off the inside. Yeah, and that was the uh, and that was basically what we all said during the season. I that I think the Eastern Conference playoffs after that, even the first round, if you get a if you get a, like a one through six is tough in that conference. Like if you don't mm-hmm. get the, the top two seeds, you are in a battle in the first round in that in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and even I don't even think, and even I don't think Washington or Atlanta, one of those teams, get that's not even going to be an easy series. Like just because of the way they play, it's going to be annoying. So yeah, like if you like if you look at the Nets, right, with the way the Nets interiors open, if they play a team like that has rust, or they play. You know the train on pick and roll. That's going to put pressure on them. Yeah, so it's going to be tough. Exactly, exactly. You know, what I mean, they're, they're not. They're going to. It's going to put pressure to them to stop John Collins and Capella with you know, the pick and roll with Trey Young. Like that's going to be a lot of pressure. I mean, obviously those teams won't be able to guard them, but the Nets really won't be able to guard that either. So, you know, those aren't easy. Those aren't just yo. We're just going to you know blow you out by thirty. You're like nah. You're going to be battling because that defense, man. As long as teams can keep attacking the inside. You're gonna to have to keep making your shots. <laughs> right, right. And last but not least, man, we, we got to talk about the James Harden saga, man. It, it, the saga oh, continues. Man. Uh, Harden finally reported had to sit out one game because of the uh, of, of COVID protocols. Uh, plays great against the Nuggets. Uh, they lose tonight, big. Uh, the other night, played great against uh, Portland. They lose. Uh, what's the end game here? I just I, I can't see him finishing the season like this. <laughs> he obviously, uh, obviously doesn't want to be there. Uh, I saw like, uh, 
the coach pulled the plug early tonight. It was ugly early. It was ugly early uh, third quarter. He pulled the plug. He hardened ended up only 31 minutes. He went crazy. He had, you know, 34 points in 31 minutes. Highly efficient. But you could just see, just if you watch the game, like I watched, I watched it before the Laker game came on, the hour before the Laker game came on. It's just not – it's nothing cohesive right now. And a lot right. of these, they got they got guys sitting out because of COVID protocol. There's four G League guys on the roster in addition, but also the elephant in the room is you know, the main guy does not want to be there. Right. So what's the end game here? Houston needs to find a way to move on as soon as possible, man. Like, right. just, they're just, you're just putting your own team. It's, it's just unprofessional. Um, I see why, you know, their owner gets the rep that he gets. Because this just this this just doesn't seem professional what they're doing. Like, <laughs> I mean, Harden doesn't seem professional, obviously. But like, even the way the just the Rockets are just going about it, like they're hell bent on dragging this out as much as they need to. And it's like, yeah, like I'm, you know, they they put themselves in a good leverage spot in terms that they didn't trade it Harden for whatever just Brooklyn was able to offer. But at the same time, the more time this drags on, the less leverage they have, right? Because that's more time Harden uh, is losing on his contract, and then that's also um, that's also less suitors in the long run who feel like they want to you know give up all that just for like a one year rental. Now all of a sudden your offers start dwindling, and if your offers are dwindling now, you're putting yourself in now you're going to end up taking less than what you would have originally took. And like they have to understand training a generational talent, like somebody said you're most likely going to lose that trade, like, always. Like, it's just, you're not going to win right. that trade. So they can't operate off the logic that they're trying to win a hardened trade. That's most likely not going to happen. Just they maximize. To, just maximize. Yeah, maximize. Right. Get the best you can get and move on. Like, that's just all you, that's what they need to do. But, you know, a lot of feelings go into these type of things. It's what got Pop in trouble. <laughs> and the owner of the Houston Rockets in trouble because they, they feel like they invested Alonzo Harden. They feel like, you know, that relationship should be better than what it is. But it's like, hey, man. Yeah, for me, and, and like I said, I, 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 I despise siding with management. But you're just looking at the history. Right. Um, this is probably Maury more than Fertitta because Fertitta, everybody knows he's cheap for being an owner. But that team, they did everything James Harden wanted to do the last four years. Every single yep. Thing he wanted, down from the players he wanted to picking a schedule, like literally picking their travel schedule and how long they would stay somewhere. So it's like all of a sudden he's just okay. I'm done. Trade me. Um, it's just weird. I mean, there's I'm, obviously there's stuff we don't know on the surface on the depth is what I'm assuming, but it's just on the outside of it. It, it looks crazy. And like I said, they need to just I'm not saying end it quickly, but find out your best off. Whether it be from Miami, right. Denver. Philly or, you know, Brooklyn, the teams on his list, you know, get get the most you can, get some picks down the road, and then – they don't. My thing is they don't have any picks. They should be trying to just get as much as they can, as like right now. Like, they don't have any picks. Like, I don't understand right. what they're doing. I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish. Like, I, I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish. Like, you want to wait till the draft after everybody's already drafted? To, you know what I'm saying? And Harden only has one year left to now do. Like, come on! Like, what are you? What are you waiting? Like, what are you waiting? This is a loaded draft. If you wanted draft picks, this is a draft to get draft picks in. Like, right. I, I just don't understand what they're trying to do. They're trying way too hard to try and get something great, but they're you're not gonna get something great. Like, and I think every team they're dealing with knows that. 
they know that they're not like you're not gonna get what you want for him. I'm sorry. You're not gonna get Ben Simmons. You know what I'm saying? You're not gonna get uh MPJ and Jamal Murray. You're not gonna get that. You're not gonna get Harold Robertson in the boatload of picks. You're not going to get I'm sorry. And bam. You're not gonna get those. You're not gonna get mm. you're not gonna get that. Just take what you can get and be gone. Yes, it's a tough situation. Hopefully it gets uh solved sooner rather than later because, you know, in all this, the most person I feel most bad for is, is Steven Silas, man. Right. He's been grinding his whole career to get a head coaching job. And he just get thrown right into some BS. Yeah, and, he, and that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's just, it's just unprofessional all around, man. Like, I just – it's just not – it's not good. Like, it's, I, it's not a good look from Harden at all, like, at all. But it's not – I don't even think the front office is doing what they need to do. Like, they're not doing what they need to do to make sure Steven Silas is succeeding. Like, COVID protocol stuff, come on, man. And then the Harden stuff along with that, like, and they they need to they need to move on as an organization from Harden and, and, and right. reload their draft picks. That was funny. The last pod you did after the Houston series, you was like, "That's it, tear it up." Yeah, <laughs> and here we are. I knew, I knew we'd be. I knew we. I knew we'd get to this point. I sh- I saw the body language. Like, this is not gonna. They're not going another year like this. Russ is out of there. I knew Russ would be the first one gone. I, I knew that would happen. Russ was going. Russ was out of there, and then Harden. I knew. At the end of the day, Harden was going to have to leave. He was going to have to leave. Well, all right, man. Thank y'all for tapping in. Make sure you follow It's Kings, bruh, on Twitter. Myself, JJ Maples, 55 underscore MST. Follow, subscribe, give us feedback on the pod. We appreciate you guys for tapping in. we back next week talking about whatever happens in the league. If Harden gets traded, hopefully we'll mm-hmm. be talking about that. Anything else going down, we'll be here. We are gone. Thank you. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.